Good morning, church. Good morning. Y'all may be seated, and welcome to all of you who are joining us online for our live stream service as well this morning. My name is Matt, and I'm the adult pastor here, and it is a great Sunday to be here as we are starting this brand new series called One Nation this morning. I don't know how many of you are aware of this or have heard of this, but apparently there's some kind of big political presidential election happening in our world right now. Does anybody know anything about that? Or heard something? Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, kind of, no, yeah, what? I don't know what's going on. Yeah, odds are every single one of us has because we can't escape these headlines that are just dominating our lives. They're on Facebook, they're on YouTube, on Instagram, they're in the news, on the radio, everywhere that we look, everything that we listen to, it just seems like something else is coming at us from every single angle because it is a very important time in our history, especially as a nation. In fact, I would say it's probably one of the most pivotal times in my lifetime being inside of this nation. And so we have designed this series to really help us kind of take a perspective in all of this. Because I think there's a lot of us who may be super excited about what's about to happen in the next couple of weeks. Some of us are a little bit afraid of the unknown of what's actually going to happen in the next few weeks. Others of you are like, I've already packed my bags and I'm just waiting to get out of this country because I just, I want nothing to do with it, Right. But with all of the tension and the turmoil that exists, we felt that it was really important as a pastoral staff and as a church just to come together and say, how can we as followers of Jesus still be actively engaged and involved in this political season and represent Christ in the best way possible? Where does that balance land? How do we do this? What does that actually look like? And as we step into this series, I really do believe that we can be mature Christians about it. And what I mean by that is that there's going to be times when you may hear a presidential candidate's name mentioned or a political party mentioned, and we don't boo, we don't cheer, we don't get up and walk out or hiss or laugh, whatever it may be, but we can be mature as we talk about these things and know right off the bat that what's said during these series, as a church, we are not endorsing a candidate. We are not endorsing a political party. What we are endorsing is the kingdom of God. And that the word of scripture, that the truth of Jesus Christ be prevalent in this season of division. That's what our heart's desire is. And that's what we strive for. So as we go through this, just please keep an open mind and try to be respectful of those around you, regardless of where they may stand. Because our world is divided and we don't want this series to cause more division. And our world is divided over these two men that were seeking to be candidates for the president of the United States. Some people are very excited at the potential of Joe Biden becoming the next president, saying, yeah, better days do in fact lie ahead, and he's going to restore this nation and fix what's broken. Some people are saying, no, it's all about Trump, because Trump, he's rough, he's tough, he's ruthless, he doesn't let people push him around, he's exactly what we need to keep America great again. There's some of you who are saying, hey, you know what, when I really survey all of this, it's not a matter of who I'm actually voting for as much as it's who I'm voting against. Because yeah, I have an allegiance to my political party, but I just really don't like this person. So I'm gonna stray away from how I've always voted and vote against that person. There's some of you who are looking at the ballot and saying, hey, you know what? I'm just overcome and I'm overwhelmed with feelings. I'm disappointed, I'm disheartened, I'm discouraged because is this the best that our country has to offer? I mean, of everybody who exists in America, these are the two candidates that we chose to represent us as a nation. And as you take a look at that ballot and you're reading the name, suddenly that name Kanye starts to look a little bit better, right? <laughs> and there are some of you who are going into this election saying, hey, you know what? What's the point? 
because the country's already going to hell in a handbasket. So we're just along for the ride. I'm not even going to vote because what's the point? We're just out of luck. Everybody loses no matter who ends up winning. And so as we look at this, and regardless of where you stand, what we really want to take a look at is even though we may all be divided and have different feelings, how can we still stand united as Christians and do what God has called us to do, be who God has called us to be? And that's really what we're going to seek through this series. And we're going to do it in two different ways. First, we're going to take a look at the foundation of America. And what I mean by that is we're going to start by looking at the Pledge of Allegiance. And the reason why is because the Pledge of Allegiance was written about 100 years after our nation was founded. And its intent, its purpose was to give us a sense of identity, to give us a purpose, something that we could rally behind and say, this is who we are. This is how we want to be identified, how we want to be known by. And so the Pledge of Allegiance was written. So we're going to look at that, and then we're going to bounce some scripture off of it to see what it is that Christ is calling us to understand. What are the truths that we can really pull from it and really dive into what our identity as Christ's followers, which is far more important, actually is in this season. So let's take a look, starting off with the Pledge of Allegiance, because if you grew up in America going to school, odds are you said it every single day of your life in school. It goes like this, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. This is so important because that last phrase is what's going to set the foundation for all four weeks of this series. Because it's really the identifying marks of who we are as a nation, that we are one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So this week, today, we're going to talk about the idea of being one nation. What does that really look like? Because when we look around, do we see these things happening? No, we see division. So what does it mean to really be one nation? And then we'll take a look next week, right before the election, at being under God. And how as we look at the ballots and as how we're starting to vote, we see things as God is being systematically removed more and more from everything in our country. So how can we as Christ followers really still live under God in a nation that wants nothing to do with him? How do we respond to that? And then right after the election, we're going to talk about the word indivisible. And when we look at this, it's such an important word because even though we may disagree politically, even though we may not like the outcome of this election, we can still stand united spiritually with one another. And then we'll conclude the series in our fourth week by talking about liberty and justice for all, specifically looking at the grace and the truth. And the truth of the matter is this, that God has called each and every one of us to step into this season, not with judgment or hatred, but with love. And that regardless of how people vote, regardless of who wins, we are called to still represent him and love every person on this earth. That's what it comes down to. So as we dive into today, I really want to start by telling you a little bit about my background and where I come from in this series. See, I grew up in a house that was very influenced and influenced me about being American. I grew up with a respect and honor and a love for this country. I love this country. And I've got a lot of members in my family who have gone to war, who have served and who have sacrificed a lot so we could have the freedoms to be here today. And I think a lot of us maybe take those freedoms for granted. And as I start to think about this, one of the cool things about my position here at Canyon Hills is not only do I get to serve as the adult pastor, I get to oversee the IT department, the technology department as well, which means each week I get to look at the analytics for our live streams and all the data. And I know that we've got a percentage of our viewership who watches us from outside of the United States. And for those of you who may be watching right now who that is you, I just want to say I hope that you come from a place that you love, 
that you honor and that you respect as much as I do my country and that you find freedom wherever you live because I know that that's not a reality in some places around the world. I mean, just think about the freedoms in this room that we have right now. You have the freedom to start a job. You have a freedom to make your own money. You have a freedom to make a difference. You have a freedom to have as many children as you want. That's unheard of in some places in this world. And even more so today, we have the freedom to gather together. I had the freedom to give you this message due to the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, the freedom of assembly, right? In some places in the world, I'd be killed for being up here. And you'd have to be in hiding, afraid of being arrested and imprisoned for just listening to this message. We have a lot of freedoms. And that's why I never take it for granted. That's why I love America because of all of the great opportunities that we have that I know not a lot of other people do have. But let me make one thing very clear before we go into this series. And it's this, as much as I love America, as much as I love the country that I was born in, I know that we're not the promised land. I know that we are not God's only, nor are we God's chosen people. And it's very arrogant. It's very self-centered and small-minded for us to think that God's world revolves around us as Americans. And when we look at John 3, 16, one of the foundations of the gospel, what does it say? For God so loved what? The Americas? No, for God so loved the world. That's every single person, every place on this earth. That's what it comes down to because he wanted us to really understand what it means to be one united nation, one united place of Christ followers, a spiritual nation, if you will. And that's what we've been called to. And so as much as we are honored and we love and we're loyal to our country, there's a higher calling. There's a higher loyalty, a higher respect that we should have. And it's to the nation of God, the kingdom of God. And there's a freedom that we need to recognize is far more important than the freedoms that we have on this earth. And that's our freedom in Christ. And part of our responsibility as Jesus followers is to help other people experience that freedom in Christ, to help lead them to that freedom in Christ, whatever it takes, whatever that may look like to help people understand that you are free in Christ. There's liberty, there's justice, there's freedom that exists there if you're ready to grab a hold of it. So that's really what we're gonna start to unpack as we go through this series and we start to look at all of these amazing things that God has actually called us to because he wants us not to be divided. God wants us to be one united nation, a spiritual nation from the kingdom of heaven. And you know what? Shocker, that kingdom can't be found here on this earth. That nation isn't found here on this earth. Listen to what it says in John 18. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. And I'm saying my kingdom isn't here on this earth. And if you keep seeking after man as rulers, if you keep seeking after influence from human beings, you're never going to find unity. You're never going to be one true united nation. You're going to be divided. If you want to be one real spiritual nation, it comes by understanding that you belong to a nation far greater than where you are. And that's the nation of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And more importantly, that you've been given a task. You've been assigned something to do. It's not just a, oh, I sit back and I belong to this. No, you've been given an amazing opportunity and that's to be an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven. But what does that mean? What does it really mean? Well, let's break it apart. The word ambassador means the highest ranking diplomat sent as a representative from one nation to another. Think about that. You are an ambassador of God. You are the highest ranking person, the highest ranking diplomat who God has chosen to send you to a place to represent him. How cool is that? 
That is so powerful. And we know that when it says sent from one nation to another, well, we live in this earth, so we know what the another nation is. So then where are we sent from? Well, Paul helps us with that. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Goes on to say this. One more slide, there we go. And he, was, or he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So what this is saying, folks, is that God has chosen to send us to make his appeal of reconciliation to this world. In other words, what that means is Jesus has chosen to send us from heaven to earth to serve as his diplomats, to be his ambassadors. And what an amazing opportunity that is. What amazing opportunity that really is to be sent by God, to be chosen by God for this amazing task. And so I think there's a couple things we need to understand if we're really gonna grab a hold of what it means to be an ambassador. And the first thing is this, it's so prevalent right now, is that as an ambassador, you don't represent yourself, you represent Christ. You don't just represent yourself, you also represent Christ. What I mean by that is this, you have gone your entire life speaking to your social circles, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a believer. And they're like, yes, great, that's good for you but I know that you're a Christian. I've seen you pray. I've seen you read your Bible, all these things. That's great. But then all of a sudden the world starts to change. We see political unrest. We see injustice in the streets, riots, mobs, protests, whatever it may be. And you start getting vocal. You start saying this here and posting this here on Facebook or Instagram or on your blog feeds, whatever it may be. And it's interesting. Because when we take a look at this, when we see what's going on, we need to think beyond that moment. Now, don't get me wrong. You are entitled to your opinions because it's been influenced by your experiences in life and nobody can take that away from you. But what we as Christ followers need to understand right here, right now is this. More than ever before, people are not just watching what we do. They're watching what we say and what we type, what we write, what we post. Because they're saying, hey, wait a second. This is the same person that's invited me to church my entire known life of knowing them. They're the same person I see reading their Bible on their lunch breaks or praying for other coworkers or offering to go out and help somebody or buy something for someone, offer them a ride. They just continually are serving and loving on people. But wait a second, now they're posting and they're saying this thing and they're bashing this person, speaking out against this person. I don't understand. That doesn't make sense to me because I didn't think Christians did that. But is this really what Christians believe? Is this really what Christians stand for and how they act? And see, without even thinking about it, you were just in the moment like, this is what I'm feeling, so I'm gonna write this. But people don't look at that. People associate you with representing Christ if you call yourself a Jesus follower. And so they say, man, is this really what all Christians believe? So we need to be very careful what we're saying, what we're writing, what we're posting, what we're speaking out against, because the eyes of the world are on us as Christians. And that's why I love what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter two. Look at this. Rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. And he goes to say, live such good lives among the pagans. That's hard. <laughs> That's really, really difficult. But what we need to understand is as an ambassador, one of our greatest responsibilities is to represent Christ in the best way possible. That we have been sent to this earth to be his message of reconciliation, 
to be his message of love. And the question is, when we look around, are we doing that? Is that what other people see when we're writing things, when we're saying things, when we're speaking about things and doing all of these things? Because if it's not, maybe it's time that we take a harder look at ourselves. Are we really representing Christ? Because that's the first thing. If we are an ambassador, we don't just represent ourselves. We represent Christ, which leads me to my second point, and it's this. You weren't chosen or elected by people to this position. You were chosen by God. You were appointed and elected by God to be his ambassador. Think about how great that is. What good news it is, is God chose you to be his message of reconciliation upon this earth, to do all of these great things. I mean, look what it says in John chapter 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. What are these fruits? Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the fruits that will last. Jesus says, I have appointed you. I have equipped you. I have called you to be my love in this world, to show love in a world that's divided, in a world that's broken, in a world that is so desperately hurting right now because our world is divided. Our world is divided over politics, over the economy, over unemployment, over global pandemics. You name it, it seems like there's something new every single day. And as Christians, as people, we are being attacked from all angles, right? Where we choose to go, where we choose to say or stay, what we choose to say, what we choose not to say, what we choose to post, what we choose not to post that the rest of the world is posting. It's almost like there's no escape from it. But what we need to recognize and identify with is God says, I have chosen you. I have appointed you. I have picked you for this specific task to bring my message of love, to bring my message of reconciliation to this world. Don't be influenced by other people. Don't let other people try to tell you how you should vote. Try to tell you what you should do during this political season, what you should say, be who I have called you to be because you are not who other people say you are. You are who I say you are. You are who I say you are. And that's someone who's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's who God has created us to be. That's what he wants us to instill. But if I were to go to your social circles and to start asking your friends, hey, does this person exhibit these characteristics right now in this season of life? What would they say? Would they say, yes, they do? If so, that's great. But if they say, you know, it's kind of exactly the opposite. They're very outspoken. They're very loud, and some of the stuff that they're posting is pretty mean. Some of the stuff that they're saying is, is pretty violent. Because if that's the case, you need to start really taking a hard look and figure out where are you being influenced by? Are you being more influenced by culture and the world around you, or are you being influenced by God? Because that's what it comes down to. He says, I have chosen you to be my representative, but you represent Christ, and I have picked you, I have appointed you for this position, and you are not who other people say you are. Don't let them try to persuade you. Be who I have called you to be because the world will only try to tear you down. You know, it makes me think of a time when I worked at Disneyland. And I love my Disneyland stories, but when I worked at Disneyland, that's actually me with my back turned when I was much skinnier. Well, actually, I'm still that skinny, but anyway. Um, I was working at Big Thunder Mountain Railroad in a position called the onload position. And what the onloads position, the cast member's job there is, is pretty much to help anybody who comes up the exit who has a hard time getting into the vehicle themselves and can't stand in the normal line. So anybody with a wheelchair, cane, crutch, uh, any kind of disability or anything like that, our job is to help get them into the right vehicle. And part of my job is to make sure everybody is safe to do so before the vehicle goes into the attraction. 
So I remember one day I was standing on the onload and this man comes down in a wheelchair and it presented a little bit of a problem for me because my job was to make sure everybody, regardless of who they are, gender, status, age, whatever it may be, is safe enough to ride the ride. And this was a problem because I noticed when I look at the man, he didn't have any legs. And so as he came up to me, I had to do one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. I had to ask this gentleman if I could measure his height, if I could see that he was tall enough to meet the minimum height requirement to ride the ride. And I remember he was kind of taken aback at first, like, are you kidding? Like, no, that's not gonna happen. And after conversing back and forth, I told him, look, it's my job. I just gotta make sure everybody is safe. That's why I'm here. My job is to make sure everybody who enters this ride gets on safely and is able to get back off safely. And unfortunately, if I can't do that, I can't let you ride. And so after some grumbling and mumbling, we finally got him out of his wheelchair and to measure him only to find out he wasn't tall enough. And I had to do the second most difficult thing I've ever had to do in my life, to tell this man in his 40s he wasn't tall enough to ride this ride. And then he looked me in the eye and he said this. He's like, you know what? I just came back from war. I was on patrol and I had my legs blown off by an IED. I spent months in a field hospital going under reconstructive surgery. It was terrible. Finally got the strength, was shipped back home where I spent months in physical therapy and I'm in counseling with PTSD right now. And this is the first opportunity I've had to get out of the house, to get out of my therapy, to put some sort of normalcy back into my life. So let me get this straight. I go to war. I fight for my country. I fight for the right to enjoy the simple pleasures of life only to be told by this and enter a whole bunch of explicit words that expanded my vocabulary that day that I am not tall enough to ride this ride? What do you say to that? How do you respond to that? And for the next 10, 15 minutes, he just sat there and just berated me, cussed me out, yelled at me, tore me down, verbally assaulted me, and just left me feeling demeaned and empty. And as he wheeled and he was getting ready to leave, he said one final comment. It's just kind of like a stab in the back to me. He says, you're never going to amount to anything. And he wheeled off. And that stuck with me. This was at the very beginning of my shift, like in the first 20 minutes of my shift, by the way, of an eight-hour shift. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, that's hard to hear. Is he right? Is that true? Am I never going to amount to anything? Because that's how I feel right now. And it just plagued me. It consumed me with guilt and doubt and just this overwhelming feeling inside me that I would never be anything. And I remember as I was driving home from my shift, just so empty and depleted inside, I heard what I can only consider as an intervention from God. And he said this, you are not who other people say that you are. Don't listen to them. You are who I say you are. And I've called you to something more than this. I've called you to feel something more than this. And I'm so grateful for that because it's exactly what I needed to hear because it's what gave me the motivation to work my way through that and eventually led me to being where I am today to being the person that I am today, God is entrusting with giving you this message this morning, the authority to be able to speak into your lives. And it just makes me think that maybe some of you need to hear that. That you are not who the world says that you are. You are who God says that you are. Don't let other people try to tear you down or, or tell you how you should live your life. Be who God has called you to be. Do what God has called you to be because God's gonna place you in a position of authority to do something amazing. You know, it makes me think of Romans chapter 13, Verse one, it says this, there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And I love this phrase. You know why I love this scripture is because it tells me 
no matter who is in a position of authority, God can still use them to do something amazing. Who are we to say that God could do anything less? God can still work wonders through people that we would consider the least of these or people we would consider rebels or outcasts or the unpopular person. Think about Peter, right? Peter was a rebel when we look at scripture. He was a rebel. He attacked a soldier, yet God used him to plant churches. Think about Noah. He was a drunk, but God used him to save a remnant. Rahab was a prostitute, but God used her to save spies and eventually be led into the foundation of the, uh, the word I'm looking for, Jesus being born, the Messiah. Think about Saul, a persecutor, killer of Christians, who probably went on to be one of the most influential people in all of Christianity. The point that I'm trying to make, folks, is this. God can do amazing things through people, whether we agree with them or not. Whether we agree with them or not. And that word weather is spelled wrong just to make sure that you are paying attention, whether or not you're awake this morning. That's really what it comes down to, folks. No matter who is sitting in the office of the President of the United States, God can still use them regardless if we think they can or not. Because they are not who we say they are. They are who God says they are. And who are we to say what God can and cannot do? And it's so important for us to recognize that before we go any further. Because God can do amazing things. God does more than we ever possibly could imagine. You just gotta be willing to be used by him, to be able to have him speak into your life. And that's what he does for us. And I think this is what we need to hear today is that you are not who other people say that you are. Don't let the world define you. Be who God has called you to be. And who is that? To be his ambassador. Because your power as a Christian isn't just to vote once every four years. No, you have the same spirit living inside of you that rose Jesus from the dead. And you have been called to go and make a difference to be the hands and feet, to bring love to a world that is so divided right now, to be the love of Jesus Christ and bring his message of reconciliation. Look what it says in John 13, verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. They will know that we are followers of Jesus Christ by how we choose to show love to one another, not by who we vote for, not if we vote, but how we choose to love one another. And that's what God has called us to. You're my ambassador. You are my hands and feet. You represent me in everything you do, everything you say, every place you go, everything that you post, you represent me. And I have chosen you. I have appointed you. I have elected you. I have equipped you to bring my message of love to a world that's divided, to restore this nation that's divided to one nation, a spiritual nation. That's what it comes down to, folks. Next week, right before the election, we're going to be talking about this phrase, under God, and how as the world keeps trying to push God further and further out of everything, how we can still choose to live underneath God in the midst of chaos, in the midst of everything that's going on, and how important that is. And I know some of you may be sitting in your seats thinking right now, man, I'm overwhelmed. I'm worried. I'm afraid. Aren't you afraid? Aren't you worried what's happening? Because what if this person gets elected? What if that person gets elected? There's so much uncertainty. Aren't you worried? My answer is no. You know why? Because here's the truth that I want to leave you with as I close. Regardless of who wins this election, on the other side of it, guess what? God is still in control. God is still in control. And how do I know that? He was in control long before I was born. He's going to be in control long after the election is over. That's the truth. And some of you may be thinking, well, you know what? It's not necessarily that. It's just there's so much persecution that I'm feeling as a Christian. My values are being attacked. And no matter who wins, we're just going to suffer. 
and be persecuted, you know what I have to say to that? Bring it on. You know why? Because you know what persecution brings? It brings the opportunity for us to pray more, to get on our knees more, to surrender more, to have faith more, to trust more. The church, we as Christ's followers, we persevere more in persecution. Bring it on. Some of you are saying, well, you know, it's not necessarily the persecution. It's just, it's darkness, right? Because no matter who wins, people are going to be upset. There's going to be rioting. There's going to be mobs in the street. This world is a dark place. You know what I have to say to that? Bring it on. Know why? Because you know what the darkness affords? The opportunity for the light to shine brighter. We are the light. We've been called to bring God's message of reconciliation and love to this dark world, to bring unity to this divided nation, because we are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.